You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. I'm going to ask you all to please stand as we read the scripture passage for this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verses seventeen to twenty. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the, the least of these commandments and teaches others, to, others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So today we go to week two of our sermon series on Inside Out. Changing yourselves from the inside out, changing our lives from the inside out. It's on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, we're going to be looking at every week, we're going to be looking at something that God, that Christ kind of amps it up. So uh, not this week necessarily, but in the weeks to come, you're going to hear these words. You have heard it said, and then he's going to go into the Old Testament uh, teaching. You have heard it said that this is what this is. Uh, I'm not going to give away my fire, although I heard that June's teaching on this in Sunday school class. So you can go to her first and then tell, which, tell me which one of us nailed it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but anyway, you can, it says, you have heard it said, but I tell you the truth. And he amps up the, the amount of what it's looking at. For instance, he says, you have heard it said that to commit adultery, you have to be caught in the act of adultery, let's say. And then he says, but I tell you the truth, if you even look at a woman with sin in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And he amps it up. And so we see this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And what I want you to understand is, as much as you feel like when we go through this, because we're going to be talking about things like murder, divorce, adultery, um, there's some really tough scenarios that come up in this Sermon on the Mount. And rather than ignore it, we ought to know what he says. Because here's what everything that he says is, countercultural. Countercultural. And as much as you feel in 2022, wow, this is so countercultural to what we believe as a nation in the United States of America, I'm telling you the Jews that were sitting there that day when they heard this message and days that they heard this message were feeling the same kind of thing as you're feeling. And so don't you dare sit in church on Sunday mornings and say, well, this was written at a different time in a different place, and, and they were accepted of that, of that message during that. No, they were not. They didn't like it no more than what a, a regular American who doesn't know Jesus Christ wouldn't like it today. They didn't like it. It challenged everything they stood for. 
It challenged every belief they had. Powerful. And last week, we started with salt and light. Now, if you didn't watch the live stream, but which I tend to doubt that anybody here didn't watch the live stream because we had the hugest hit on our live stream, thank you very much, um, ever. We had like 78-some views, and that is unheard of lately. There was a time when live stream was huge, and then it came down, and, and every church saw it. It kind of went like this, and then last week we had a very big spike. So I appreciate that. However, in case you didn't see it, <laughs> we talked about the salt and the light. And automatically what a lot of pastors will do is they'll talk about the salt and the saltiness of the taste of salt. And that's not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about was he was asking us as, as followers of Jesus Christ to go out into a world that is decaying faster than bad teeth and be salt the amount of salt that is taken to, to preserve a piece of meat in this day and age of fish was amazing. And he says to the followers, to his followers and to the Jews that were standing there and others that were standing there, he says, I want you, I want you that know me, that understand what it is to walk with me, I want you to go out into this world and I want you to fight to stop decay. I want you to stand up for what's right even when it's not popular. I want you to open your mouth when you need to open your mouth and keep your mouth shut when you need to keep it shut. I want you to go into dark situations and just blare the light of Jesus Christ. And all of them are which watching this and listening to this saying... That sounds like it's hard. Because it is. And may I be as gutsy enough to say that I think it's harder every year we live on this earth. I pray, he knows this already, for Pastor Landon and his future ministry. I can remember Catherine Zuber saying to me at, on our visits, Pastor Brett, I'm so glad Walter and I served when we did because I would not want to serve during this time. It's hard to stand up for what's right. It's hard be countercultural. What's easy to do is just quit and not say anything. And by the way, did you know that that's actually what's happening? 90% of pastors of supposedly in the United States of America are on the brink of resigning. Because we fought a long, hard fight. And we're tired. Every corner seems like there's another boxing match to go. 
And so Jesus continues that thought process into these scripture passages that Pastor Landon read for you earlier. In the movie Braveheart, the Scottish people are under English oppression from the demiring king, Edward the Longshanks. A Scottish commoner named William Wallace starts an uprising and the people begin to see victory. Wallace becomes bold and says that the resistance will now invade England and face Longshanks in his own land. The The pessimistic Scottish nobles tell Wallace that is impossible to invade England. Wallace asks why, and he challenges the nobles to support him. You see, it seemed impossible to them because of the seemingly insurmountable obstacles in front of them. You know, as I thought about those scenes, I thought about the Christian life. We're called to follow the law of God. In fact, in the book of Matthew, as Pastor Landon just read, Jesus has been laying out what a follower of God looks like. Some of us may see and hear what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live, and think, that's just impossible. But we're going to see in today's passage that Jesus doesn't relax the standards for God's law at all. That's what we hope happens. We hope he says, hey, listen, it's okay. It's okay if you want to steal. Just go ahead and steal. I mean, I understand your your predicament. Just steal. But he doesn't. He clarifies that we are called to ultimate righteous living. How can we possibly accomplish that? Well, I want to look at the passage together and see. Here we see that Jesus is continuing to deliver the most famous sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount. He's told us that we are blessed if we live as God has called us to live in the Beatitudes. We're going to come back around to the Beatitudes eventually. He told us to live as influencers in the world last week, as salt and light. And now he speaks to us regarding the law of God. So here's what I want you to discover. I want to put it right on the front table and or on the screen. Um, Let's discover three truths related to the law of God from this passage. I want you to grasp this because, friends, there is some, there is some really bad teaching out there about this from some really popular pastors. Let me repeat that. There is some really bad teaching out there about this from some really popular pastors, who, which I will not name today. But because of that bad teaching, there are people out there that believe things that just simply are not the truth of the Word of God. So let's look at the first truth. Here's the first truth. Jesus fulfills the law. Listen to verse 17 through 18. Here we go. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappears, 
not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, not by any means will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Remember, most of the content that Jesus is teaching his listeners is unusual to them. It's countercultural. So many of Jesus' listeners may have thought that Jesus was against the official Jewish teaching. That's what he's fighting against. He's hearing in his, in his interaction or he's seeing in responses to his message, um, many believe that he's hearing that, that he has come to abolish the Jewish law, set his own kingdom up, set his own political standards, and go after those. And what he is starting out here in verse 17 through 18 is saying is, is that I have not come to do any of that. I have actually come to fulfill the law. By the way, the law, the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, and the prophets referred to the historic teachings of the Old Testament, which at that time was the only Bible that the Jewish people had. So what he's saying is, <coughs> what Jesus is saying is, I didn't come to get rid of this thing. I came to fulfill it. And what he's seeing on the streets or while he's ministering and, and doing things in, 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 his, in his father's name is he's seeing a group of people who believe that he has somehow come to start a whole new uh, agenda. Forget this thing. This is out now. Jesus is here. You'll see this at Easter time because why are they so disappointed when Jesus goes to the cross because they thought for sure he was going to be the political leader, the greatest president in the United States, the greatest president of Israel. He was going to be, he was going to be everything that they wanted him to be. And now all of a sudden he's dying on a cross for people's sins and he's talking about loving one another instead of throwing stones at one another. What kind of nut job are we following? Jesus is saying here, don't be misinformed. I didn't come to do away with the Bible. He did not come to work around the law to perfectly obey it and fulfill it. This would have captured the attention of the people to know that he is not doing something different from what God had been doing since he called Abraham and said, I will make a great nation out of you. And when he delivered the law to Moses and when he spoke through the prophets, Jesus says, I'm going to fulfill all that was delivered to you through Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. And then he says these words. Jesus said that every little detail matters when it comes to me and in the law. The Christian Standard Bible says it this way in verse 18. The smallest letter, just one stroke, matters. The original language would have spoken to some distinguishing marks of the Hebrew language. Jesus said... Um, every jot and tittle matter. A jot referred to the smallest Hebrew letter, while a tittle referred to a stroke that would distinguish two different letters. Let me give you some examples. Throw it up on the screen, the first example here. This is the smallest letter of the Hebrew. Now remember that when you read Hebrew, you don't need to remember this because you'll probably never read Hebrew, but if you read Hebrew, you do not read from left to right like we read in English. You read from right to left. 
And there's a bunch of these letters just squished together in the Old Testament, the original Old Testament. This is not written like your Old Testament sitting here today. It doesn't have verses. It's just a bunch of these letters going across. And what Jesus is saying, now this is, this is expanded. This looks a lot smaller on the actual Hebrew text, but I expanded it so the people in the back can see it. He's saying every one of these little little jots. There's not one of them that won't pass before it's all over. Now you may think it doesn't make much of a difference. Well, it does to the Hebrew alphabet. The next slide shows you this very thing. I want you to see what it looks like. Do you see how the one, my left, your right, <laughs> I believe, has a little niche there at the top. The other one doesn't have a niche at the top. You say, oh, no big deal. Okay, well, this either means dead to the heart of God or dear to the heart of God. That's a huge difference, isn't it? You see, the one with the notch as it is a D. The one without the notch is an R. And so you can understand that when you're looking at this scripture passage and what Jesus is saying about a, a tittle, he's saying that that little mark makes the huge difference. There's a joke in seminary that you can change the entire Hebrew scriptures if you close the Bible and a fly is in there and his guts get onto the page. You can change an entire meaning of a scripture passage by any little mark. And Jesus is saying, that little mark doesn't look like a big deal to us, but it's a huge deal. And that little mark is never going to be ignored because it's a part of God's word, because it's important to the scriptures, because it's important to what he's doing in the law. And so not any jot or tittle will disappear or not be recognized until he fulfills the entire law. Whew. Huge. Huge. Basically, here's what he's saying, to put it into 2022 language for those that I've lost, speaking about Hebrew, and that's okay because, trust me, I was on the phone with a Hebrew professional <laughs> this week, making sure I understood it. Here's what he's saying, and more than one commentary says this. Make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Every detail of this book matters. Not one I dotted or one a T crossed is less important than the next. And when we treat this word like it does not matter, we break the very heart of God. It all matters. Jesus. 
Jesus is wanting to make sure that we know that the Old Testament teachings matter just like the New Testament does. They mattered during the time of Moses and they mattered during the time of Jesus. And they matter today. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this way, All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And so you want to know why your pastor pleads with you to be in a connection group or a Sunday school class? Because if you don't know this, You're dangerously walking. And if you think my sermons every Sunday morning or Pastor Landon's Sunday sermons or every Sunday morning are good enough, coming from the guy who's given them, I won't talk about his. They aren't. If you knew how much I had to cut to even get this ready this morning, you would understand that comment. All scripture. But the Old Testament's Old Testament. No, 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 no. All scripture is inspired or breathed by God. All scripture is beneficial for us. The law and the prophets are binding. They are authoritative and they are the word of God. And Jesus comes in here in Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 18, and he says, I will fulfill the law and the prophets perfectly and fully. And he's the only one that could do that. You do realize that you may get up in the morning Pretty much before you even hit your floor, hit your floor with your feet, hopefully not your knees <laughs> or your face. You've already broken a law or a prophet. If you got up in a bad mood, if you kind of cursed God because he gave you another Monday morning. <laughs> He not only obeyed them, but he fulfilled them. He brought clarity to them. That's why we're doing this sermon series. He didn't just obey them, but he said, no, 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 no. No, that's what the Pharisees teach. They teach the bare minimum. If you look at somebody or if you do this or you do that, you've broken the law. No, no, they teach the bare minimum. Let me tell you what it really means to live a righteous life. He was the cherry on top of the Sunday of law and prophets. 
He was the icing on the cake. He made the law and prophets what they were meant to be. The law and prophets matter, and Jesus fulfilled them. And that's what he's talking about in these scripture passages. That's why I took you to the Hebrew words to show you just how little these marks are that Jesus is talking about. And he's saying not one pen stroke of one author that was given the words to say through my Holy Spirit, through God, through me, myself, not one pen stroke, not one pen stroke should be ignored or taken out. Not one. Next, number two, greatness follows obedience to the law. Look at verse 19 with me. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Let me read that again. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of these, one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus makes it very clear. If we don't obey the law, we are at least in the kingdom of heaven. And if we do obey the law, we are great in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's pretty straightforward, yet it's still confusing. Why? Because here's why. Because we all know that we can't do it. We will fail at some point in our lives on at least one part of the commands of God. So if we do according to this verse, we are called the least in the kingdom of heaven. That is not a good situation to be in, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. That's not one of my goals. To, to put it into today's language, uh, you know, I, was, I, had a, I had a right foot that liked to turn. It still does turn in sometimes instead of turn out. And so, you know, it was me on the kickball. You know, we played kickball back in my day. I don't even know if my kids know what kickball is. But we played kickball. We had a kickball. Um, oh, they do. They play kickball at King's Academy. But anyway, you know, they, we had a kickball thing in our playground. And, and, and you know, it's, it's like no one went to the kickball line and said, I want to be picked last. No one did. No one said, I hope everybody else here gets picked, and then I'm the guy that they put their head down and go, okay, Brett, you can come to play on my team. No one wanted that privilege. You always wanted to be first two or three picked because then that meant, hey, these people think I'm good. So why would we want to be at least known as the least in the kingdom because we didn't follow even the least of these. And, and do you notice the wording? Jesus is, I mean, I mean, again, he's coming out kind of really passionate. He says, any of, the, any of you who do even don't follow the least of these, we're not even talking about the big boys. A 
And you know why he says it? Because it's the same problem of today. And maybe I'm stepping on toes, and that's okay because I stepped on my own all week long, so it's your turn. But um, here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what it is. We all focus on the big ones, right? Someone's living a lifestyle that's different than us, that, 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 that doesn't believe, that, that isn't, I've got to watch my tie here, that doesn't, uh, doesn't watch um, doesn't line up with scriptural teachings. And what do we do? We want to jump on them right away. All the while, we're gossiping and destroying, or we're lying and we're destroying. All the while, we're doing all these little things. It's just a little lie, Pastor. It wasn't a big lie. It caused a division in the church, but who really cares because it's just a little lie. But boy, we'll jump on the big, the big guns. That person is living a lifestyle that I find detestable and I will fight and I will hold up signs and I will tell them how wrong they are. All the while we're over here, can you believe the pastor did this? Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Causing division in the very bride of Christ. And somehow that's okay. It's okay. Destroy it. Don't follow the little ones, but make sure the big ones are followed. And Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you that the one who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others that they can do the same, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. So if we do, according to the verse, we are called least in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we may be tempted to think that some of the sins we commit are not that big of a deal. As I said earlier, Jesus will speak of that in next week's passage. Where he redefines murder. However, in the passage, Jesus says, whoever breaks one of the least of these, every little command of God matters. So here's the point of the whole thing. And if you want to kind of grasp this, it's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Please stop minimizing your sin. Because your sin doesn't match up with somebody else's sin. Stop doing it. What will that bring? That will bring a peace to you because now you'll realize before you go to catch that stone or before you go to yell about that person who's living a lifestyle that's different than yours, how are you doing at living at the lifestyle of Christ, being truly righteous? Stop minimizing your sin is what Jesus is saying. Because here's what it is not. It is not minimal to a holy God. Many of you have heard this growing up in the church, and it's a true statement. Sin is sin. There's not layers of it in heaven. Sin is sin. Wrongdoing is wrongdoing. 
Jesus also says that if we obey the commands of God, we will be called great. I want some of that. I want to be great. The question is, how do we obey the law? This is on the screen. How do we obey the law so we can be great in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answers that question in verse 20. Here's what it says. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That takes us to our last point. We will fail at the law. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, what a letdown. Pastor Brett, never become, <laughs> never become a motivational speaker because you're terrible at it. It's okay. Here's the deal. God's standard of being great in the kingdom of heaven is obedience to the law, even in the little things. And we're all going to mess that up. Romans 3.23 says it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't have to convince you all of this. You know yourselves. You know you're not perfect. I surely know that I'm not perfect. I mess up every day. You know, I've often said that, you know, when, when Serenity and Freddie came, Ser Freddie was a little older, but Serenity was young, and, you know, we didn't have to teach Serenity how to do wrong. I didn't have to say, now, listen, go over and punch your brother because you don't understand how to punch your brother yet. So you better go over and punch your brother right in the mouth and teach her how to do wrong. Now she pretty much figured that out herself. Why? Because she had sin in her, like we all do. My parents didn't have to teach me to do wrong. I figured out how to do wrong all on my own. A little too well, if you ask my parents. In fact, the standard that Jesus gives us for righteousness would have floored his listeners at the time. Because you know why? They're looking at these Pharisees going, Woo, these guys are the cat chagrin of religiosity. Look how good they are. They follow all the laws, and then when they don't have a law, they make up a law so that that law can be followed. If there's a situation that comes up and they don't have it covered in their law, they make up another law. And they have so many laws, it's unbelievable, like 600-some laws. And they follow them, and they follow them to a T, and they even keep a clipboard. I'm pretending. They even keep a clipboard, and they mark off if people weren't following them. These people are righteous, man. These people are the cat chagrin of religiosity. You know, we should all just stand up and go, oh, to the Pharisees. And then Jesus says, if you don't surpass what they're doing, you don't get it. Jesus, I thought you were on drugs before, but now I definitely think you're on drugs. Surpass these guys? Are you kidding me? Because here's why. Everybody standing in that crowd that day would die to be as righteous as the scribes and the Pharisees. 
they would die for it. Now, I'm going to use this example, and I want you to understand it's an example. It's like Billy Graham standing before us. And Jesus comes walking in next to Billy Graham, and he says, anybody who didn't live up to the standards of this man has no place in the kingdom of heaven. And what you need to understand is Billy Graham was one of the most careful people in the world. So careful that if he, if there was a woman in an elevator when he was about to get in, he would step out of the elevator and he would wait for the next elevator until it was empty so that there could be no one that said that Billy Graham tried to put the moves on there. He was so full of integrity. How many times in the last couple of times have you been so full of integrity that you, you've literally declined certain things so that you wouldn't get yourself into situations? No, usually what we do is we play in our heads and we say, oh, it's okay for this just once. Billy Graham never said it's just okay for this once. And so Jesus is standing before you and Billy Graham is standing in front of the sanctuary and he says, if you aren't as righteous and as integrityful as this man, you have no place in the kingdom of heaven. I guarantee you there's a lot of you right now this morning, possibly even the pastor included. I'm not even going to tell you what I would do. You're walking out. I got no chance, man. This guy brought millions to Christ. This guy was integrity to the core that's a little bit of what these guys are feeling right here wait a second these people keep the law they they make up laws they 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 they, they are everything about the law they, they are you kidding me we got to be what So if this is the case, what Jesus says in this scripture passage, there's no hope for us. And there's certainly no hope for anybody standing there that day. No hope at all. Are you catching on? On our own, there is no hope. Look what's underlined on the screen. On our own, you cannot live a righteous life. You can put on a good show and you can be like a, graves, a gravestone. Jesus explains this in another passage. You can be like a gravestone. It's beautiful on the outside, but full of dead bones on the inside. It's whitewashed. It is beautiful. I mean, it's glaring on the outside. And so while these people are standing around looking at these scribes and Pharisees as he's teaching this Sermon on the Mount and they're saying to themselves, well, I could never measure up. What they're seeing is on the outside. Oh, they look stranded and great and, and grand and all this stuff and they look wonderful and they look like they're following every law to the T and they look like they're doing everything perfectly but in deep inside, they are full of dead bones with no hope.
because they've kind of made a joke of this. This is not what we follow. We follow all of our laws of our great father Abraham. And when he didn't cover something, we make one up. On our own, we're unable to fulfill the law. That's why we need Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. You see, true righteousness sees Christ's work, accepts and acknowledges it. False righteousness tries to follow the list of rules perfectly, and when they can't, they make up new rules so they can have it at least a chance. We need the righteousness of Jesus to help us to obey the law. The law and the prophets show us God's way, and in part, they show us that we cannot measure up to God's standards, which shows us even more that we need God's grace in our lives. We need Jesus' forgiveness. You see, Jesus did fulfill the law. He was perfectly obedient to it. Even the little things, his righteousness did exceed that of the Pharisees. He's the only one. And so in reality, what, they, what Jesus is saying to them is, would you please get your eyes off of everybody else and get your eyes onto me? Would you please try to stop living like so-and-so and start living like me? Because so-and-so is only going to get you so far. And then at the end of that rope, it's not going to last. You will have no hope because you have lost the very hope of Jesus. It's the same thing he does for the adulterous woman in chapter 8, I believe it is, of John. What does he do there? He says, listen, who's, whoever's perfect here, throw the first stone. Who's he turning their eyes on? Him. And you know what he does? He doesn't even pick up a stone. He says, go and sin no more. You've been forgiven. Wow. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, he's doing the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, listen, it's not about you. It's about what I already paid. Your righteousness will never add up. In 1 Peter 3.18, he tells us these words, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in his spirit. Here's what 1 Peter is saying in logistically, if we take it to Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Jesus gave the same death to the scribes and the Pharisees as he gave to those who were following him with all their heart, soul, and mind. And the choice was, what are we going to do? Are we going to follow the law? Are we going to try to do it on our own? Or are we going to do it the way Jesus wants us to do it? And so the scribes and the Pharisees chose their way. They were going to do it by the law. They were going to make sure they lived that law perfectly. They failed miserably, but they didn't think they failed miserably. And I guess the question remains in 2022, which way will Faith Church and those who follow Jesus go? 
but we try to do it by changing our outside and not our insides. We try to do it by using this as little as possible. Or will we dig deep? In order for us to live a righteous, a truly righteous life and be called great in heaven, our heart and our insides have to change. Jesus fulfills the law. We fail at the law. Jesus is righteous. We are unrighteous. We need the help and the healing of Jesus and praise God that he offers it. Jesus tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the bottom line of this sermon this week. I, I like to try to get to a bottom line. Jesus fulfilled the law so we could faithfully follow the Father. And we can't faithfully follow the, follow, follow the Father by just living perfectly because we can't do it. It's not about how many devotions you do. It's not about how many connection groups you're involved in. It's not about even how your connection group is. It's about the fact that a holy God doesn't want you to play around with something unholy. The application here is, is very simple. I'm going to just kind of fly through this one. Identify one law of God that you have failed to obey. Now, I understand. One law of God? Are you kidding me? No, I, I want you to identify this week. I want you to think about all the laws and the prophets and things like that. Is it God's faithfulness? Is it, is it, is it, is it murder? Is it murder. I hope it's not murder. Is it, is it, is it lying? Is it, what is it? What is the one law of God that you just, you just constantly struggle with? And I guarantee you by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's probably one of them coming to your mind right now. And I want you to write that down and I want you to ask God to forgive you for it. Perhaps you haven't forgiven someone. Perhaps you haven't loved the way you should. Perhaps you have had a prideful heart. Whatever it is, I want you to ask God to forgive you, and then I want you to do one more step. And this is a step that we hate, but it's a step that's needed because next week we'll talk about it. We need to then step out and make it right. This isn't about sitting in your room somewhere quietly praying a prayer of forgiveness and then never going to the person that you might have hurt or that you might have jabbed or that you might have stung or that you might have done whatever and, and not admitting it. Make it right. Whatever that looks like. Thank God for his grace and for giving you new righteousness and live for him. But second of all, I want you to identify one law of God that you will fulfill this week. Ask God to guide you with his Holy Spirit. Again, his Holy Spirit. You cannot do it. You are now set free to live for God with the righteousness of Jesus. Commit to live a new life in Jesus and fulfill the law of God. But ask him for his help. If it's prideful heart, ask him. It's a dangerous prayer. 
humble me. You want to know why we don't pray? Because we really don't care to be humbled. We would rather live in sin than pray the dangerous prayer. I can only speak for myself. We would rather just ignore the fact that God's word says something about something and then to pray for it to stop in our lives. That's uh, very telling. Commit the new life to Jesus and ask him, help me to be truly righteous. Not like the Pharisees and the scribes, but focused on you. You see, the call to righteousness here in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, is a serious requirement from God to humanity. God does not, and I want you to hear this, you've heard it several different ways, but tonight, today, I want you to hear it this way. God does not mess around with sin. The fact that we know the death of our own sin and our own unrighteousness should drive us straight to the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to be changed. We need to be made new. We need to live new lives of righteousness devoted to God. Some of us may be tempted to think like the Pharisees, that we're good enough, that we're righteous enough. Don't be so foolish. Your natural human righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, and it certainly doesn't meet God's requirements. It never will. Won't. People ask me all the time, what is it that you, you know, uh, one of the greatest things that you can be asked as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastor or even a basketball coach happened to me this past week. And let me just end with this very quickly. <laughs> I'm standing at halftime. We're winning the basketball game. And two of my players raised their hand during our little halftime chat. And they say, Coach, what do you want us to work on in the second half? And I'm looking around like, did you just seriously ask me what you want, what I want you to work on? Like, usually they don't care. Someone asked me how coaching was going just this morning. I said, you know, coaching and pastoring are the same thing. They really are. They're leading people. One of the biggest blessings that I get sometimes is when someone says, what do you think that I should do in 2022? To be a better follower of him. Same question as those kids asked, but it was about basketball, not about following Jesus. I think it's fine time that we start reliving true righteousness and get rid of the false righteousness. I think there's a world out there that desperately needs to see a church stand up and say, we're going to live real righteousness not based on following laws and all the things that the Pharisees and scribes made it about. If you were to ask me that question today, what is it that Faith Church needs? I will tell you right now, we need to scrap all the false righteousness and put it on the show. And we need to get serious about our relationship with Christ. Because he's minutes, days, months, years away from returning for you. Do you want to be found living in a false sense of security? Or do you want to be found 
living a truly righteous life. Not a perfect, but a truly righteous life banked on God's grace. Because here's the deal, friends. You can take every one of these words written in this book and take it straight to the bank and deposit it. You won't hear that in every church in America today. There will be those that will say, well, you can take most of it. There will be those that will say, you can take this part and that part, but if it deals with this sin, then no, the Bible changes. It's up to you to decide. Is it all true? I think Jesus put it on the line today. Not one jot or tittle will go unchecked before the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So that's my challenge for you this week. Would you do it? And if you fail on Monday, it's what the grace of Jesus is for. Get back up on the horse and ride it again. And if you fail on Wednesday, it's what the grace of Jesus is for. Get back up and ride it again. Let's pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this message. True righteousness versus false righteousness. False righteousness is, is all about what we do, Lord. It's, it's, it's really not righteousness at all. True righteousness is, is based on your work for each of us. Lord, may everybody in the sound of my voice, whether they're watching online or today here in this sanctuary, May they do business with you today. And I'm going to be as bold to pray as their pastor, whether they're again online or here this morning, that you don't let it go. If they have something deep down inside of their heart where they're holding on to this false righteousness, I pray, Lord, that you will not, with your Holy Spirit power, let it go until they come to you and deal with it. It's that serious. Help us, Lord, to look at our sin today. But look at it through the lens of what we did today, the blood and the body. Sin is real. Sin is damaging. But sin is also sin. No matter what sin it is. And so, Lord, help us this week to not just start pointing out how other people are failing your laws. But before we do that, step back and say, how am I performing? And honestly ask you that question. Help us, Lord, as a church to live righteous lives. And I want to be clear on this one last point in my prayer. 
so that people will see us and turn their eyes towards heaven, not towards us. They'll say, I want what you have. Lead me to the Father. And we'll be careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for what you do through this entire week as we strive to live out the walls of God. For it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's stand and sing the closing hymn, Solid Rock. Solid Rock, the foundation of which we stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 